the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's me. I'm live. We're here. And this is the word to stand on for life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And it really is good to be back. And since I knew you guys were having Paula withdrawals and she couldn't be here live with us yesterday or with you yesterday, I figured I'd invite her back on the show. So Paula is live in the studio with me. And anything and everything that's on your heart, all you need to do is to call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email your questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And as always, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Before I bring Paula in, a quick uh, programming note, not programming, but scheduling note. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to be teaching uh, one of the dreariest chapters in all of the Bible, Revelation chapter 9, and one of the most difficult to uh, interpret in in the book of Revelation. So uh, that is tonight at 7 o'clock, calvarysa.com. You can watch it live stream if you can't join us live. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you, sweetie. I love you so very much. It's been a really sweet couple of days that we just took as we went to the pastor's disciples, pastor's disciples class, no, the Calvary Chapel (coughs) Pastors um, Regional Conference in California. We had a good time. And, and I'm, I'm kind of backtracking just a little bit because I had prayed on Saturday, Lord, if you don't want us to go, I'm good, you know, because with all the travel stuff, you know, and, um, yeah. So you always say this, about 80% of the stuff you kind of worry about never happens. We just didn't have hardly any issues at all, you know. Um, we were supposed to get there. Leaving here, 5.45. Now, there's an issue. <laughs> yeah. hey, that's a.m. That's a.m. I mean, you know, I, you woke up about, what, one thirty, And I woke up about 2.30. And that was the end of that because, you know, Sam's coming at 4 to pick us up. And uh, so, we, you know, you keep your eye on the clock, though, pretty much all night. So please don't let this thing be uh, delayed at all because I had already thought, if it's delayed a little bit here, Pastor Ron, in San Antonio, we just turn right around and go back home and go back to bed. But there was no delays, praise the Lord. And then um, we were supposed to get there at 10.05, and we got there right about then. But uh, before we left, the meeting that was supposed to start at 12 for the regional leaders, which you happen to be one of, was supposed to be at noon California time. They brought it to 11 o'clock. And so... I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, there can be no delays, no delays, Lord. So, please, we need to get there because we had to land in 
Las Vegas. <sighs> Praise the Lord, there was no delay. We get to California. You went for the luggage. I went for the rental car. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it's 1030. <laughs> but man, the freeway, the lady on Siri who got us the map thing with that little British accent, she took us and we got there at 11.01. It was awesome. And they hadn't started yet. So. And they hadn't started. You know what? <laughs> they were waiting for us. Because yeah. I was praying the whole time, Lord, thank you that in California you can go 7580. Because I don't think they really care about their people much. They're like, if you die, you die. But anyway, no, we were able to get there in plenty of time. And it was a real blessing. So I'm glad we went. Thank you for all of you who prayed for us. I know Pastor Ken and May and the whole church was praying for us. And we really appreciate it. It was a, a, a good time. Yeah, and we were surrounded in, in all of the airports with people who had immense travel delays some of who weren't going to get to their location for days uh, later than they were scheduled to and we just we just didn't have that problem Mm -hmm. uh the one delay we did have was in ontario california coming back it's a pretty Mm laid-back airport and and it was pretty nice to sit around there Mm -hmm. but we that means we got to las vegas late Mm -hmm. which means our layover in las vegas was really short which was good because that's a miserable airport to be oh yeah that's the lord's grace right there Mm -hmm. yeah so uh, everything just went perfect i think well let me i want to talk just a little bit about the, the the pastor's conference and uh, get your impressions on it, Paula, before we get to any questions. Now, please, you can call about anything, any questions, whatever's on your heart or mind. Uh, you can interrupt our conversation. Uh, we just figured at the end of the week we could we could get through this. And, and uh, again, if you have any questions or calls, comments, you can make those at any time by dialing 340-9585. Paula, for me... Uh, the, 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 there were several things that stood out, but um, um, you know, with with COVID last year, mm-hmm. um, there were no conferences, and uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised at the the huge numbers of people that were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have the international group like we normally have. Normally, there'd be another two hundred international pastors mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, from Calvary Chapel. Uh, but but it, it seemed like almost everybody in the United States made it mm-hmm. and, and wives were able to come, so that was a, a good thing as well. And I sensed just this hunger for fellowship. It mm-hmm. it was like, okay, we've been separated too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got stuff to talk about, mm-hmm. work to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sensed sort of a renewal of hope. Um that I haven't seen at those pastors' conferences now in in quite a few years, maybe even since Pastor Chuck died. And um, it was good to be together with friends that we hadn't seen in a while, Mm -hmm. um, touch bases with people. Mm -hmm. Now we're in contact with them electronically, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a really great showing from Texas. I was really proud of the guys in my region uh, because they, they got there. And uh, I think everybody was happy. The other thing that was, was of, of immense importance to me was that the people that were speaking uh, this, this year, uh, with a couple of exceptions, but, but the people that were speaking um, were, were really great at exhorting the pastors. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those things where it's, okay, there's work to do. That's why we're here. We're in the last days. Jesus is coming back. And, and since there's work to do, um, go do it. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't just the Bible teaching uh, out of the book of Acts, but it was also the, the, the exhortation. And people were really stirred up. At the end of the first session, um, uh, the, the, the guy who was speaking, Joe Foch, yeah. uh, out of Philadelphia, he just asked if people want a fresh filling of the Spirit, come forward and and just the place pretty much emptied, and uh, you could you could see the expectation, you could you could feel the faith; it was palpable. And um, uh, we believe that the Lord really visited us, and I'm excited to see what God is going to do, and more hopeful today than I was before we we went that that maybe there's just one more move of God's Spirit up the Lord's sleeve before. 
before Jesus returns. Mm -hmm. And we would love to see that, of course. One other thing, Paul, and then I'll kind of get your ideas here. Um, uh, One of the things that was a little overwhelming to me was how old we've gotten at Calvary Chapel. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean that we're not still relevant, that we don't still love the Lord, that we're not still serving with energy, but but just the age of people. There were people that were sick and others who looked like they were sick. And you're, you're, I've, been, I've been 26 and a half years a Calvary Chapel pastor, and I'm watching these friends of mine grow old. Now, you know, they probably didn't notice that I was aging at all. But, <laughs> but um, um, it was nice to see that there were young people there. It was really nice to see that um, um, pastors are raising up younger people, but it seemed to me that there was an urgency in passing this vision of ministry down to the younger people in our churches. And, um, you know, the the dependence on teaching the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, letting the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do, remaining faithful to what the Word says, not falling into the trap of marketing and seeker-sensitive and all the other stuff, but, but simply teaching the Bible in a way to allow the Holy Spirit to move on people's hearts and really trusting God to move on their hearts instead of thinking that we have to somehow manipulate people's emotions and do that. So uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio is we're going to talk about how these young guys need to get completely on board. And, um, you know, it's the word, the word, the word. We, We need to be faithful to the vision of ministry that our founding pastor Um, uh, left us as a legacy but we need to be all about the work teaching the Bible and not pulling any punches and being as direct as we possibly can and for uh, me Paula I I think not only was that a great exhortation but it was almost as though the Lord was saying um, pass this down if Jesus is going to tarry we need to be ready for his coming what about you? Mm -hmm. Well, There was a whole lot of things that um that I uh, got from this, you know, in the prayer that I was talking about of, of not going several years ago because the whole world was divided and even Calvary Chapel since Pastor Chuck uh, went to be with Jesus. Um, he would never tell me that he died. <laughs> he just <laughs> he moved. And so when Pastor Chuck moved from earth to heaven, um, the Calvary Chapels sort of, you know, we were thinking kind of arrogantly that, you know, our movement, the Calvary Chapel movement, would, would be able to sustain itself even after its leader uh, died, went, moved. Um, and yet we struggled. And um, I was praying, Lord, you know, these are godly men, and I'm praying that godly men would act like godly men. Because several years ago, the last time we went, I was not uh, thrilled at all because it was a week. And they, and um, I didn't want to. I didn't want us to be involved in that at all. And so um, going, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, you're you're making a way for us to get there, and that's my prayer, Lord. And I was so thankful that we were there. Um, from the very first speaker, um, he was talking about Luke, um, but there was a there was just a, a, a humility that was coming from a lot of the speakers that I hadn't really heard a couple of years ago, and, and I was just pleased. Um, and he he started off uh, teaching from Acts 1, 1 through 8, um, and he said um, that the world is conflicted, and so have we in the church been conflicted. And the one thing I probably will say a bunch of times, I'm sure you will too, is he said, you know what, I was so broken because... It seems like too many in our church, and he was talking about his, um, but too many in the church are so busy looking for the return of Trump instead of looking for the return of Jesus. Yeah, yeah let me get the quote right, because, because in context, he said, and he was being critical of his, of his own church. He mm-hmm. was saying, look, I've got more people in my church 
uh, excited about the return of Trump than the that's return right. of Jesus. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and um, I think that hit home in a lot of pastors' hearts. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I hope I can say that's not true at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, but, but we have replaced the King of Kings with the, the king of, of our earthly kingdoms, our preferences. And, and it is tragically true that uh, we have a whole bunch of people more invested in politics and, and fixing things here than people looking up expecting to see the return of Jesus Christ. And that's what Joe was referring to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he said, you know, <clears throat> we are to wait for the power from on high to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was kind of the the theme and I kept kind of nudging you because every time somebody would say something I said didn't he just say just be with Jesus you know just kind of interpreting what they were saying just be with Jesus to be Holy Spirit filled and Holy Spirit led and he was uh, he was saying and I I was appreciating the humility in what he was saying about that you know let's don't just have head knowledge we know what the Bible says but Let's be empowered by the Spirit, um, and then he he referred to Tozer's book on how to be filled by the, with the Spirit. But we have the Bible that tells us how to be filled with the Spirit and how we are to walk. You know, Micah six eight. Pray, you know, what does the Lord require of you that you act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? And that's what I was seeing. Um, and yeah, some of the guys looked older, and they are. Um, but even some of the young guys looked uh, a little weary. But I think these last two years, not just COVID, but I think the Lord used a bunch of things uh, to shake the church up and to shake the church out. Um, and I think that was that has taken a toll on a lot of us. We all look a little more like a little maybe disheveled or a little discouraged. And so this conference was so encouraging because it was one of those, hey, look, this is not our home. Jesus is coming back. And they kept saying that too. And a lot of the worship songs were about he's coming soon. You know, don't get your focus off people. He's coming soon. He's the one who has left us here to be basically a, um, soldiers in the Lord's army. Let's be about his business and be able to bring as many people to heaven with us as possible. I loved, um, I, and I, I have a lot of my notes underlined, um, and I was just saying, I prayed after Joe um, was finished, Lord, um, I need a new feeling of your spirit to be the wife, mother, grandmother, you know, Calvary Chapel, pastors, uh, San Antonio's mom, grandma, great-grandma, that I would be better able to share the love of God. And then when he was finished, he asked, and he's talking to a room full of pastors, pastors' wives, leaders, um, are you really committed? Because when we read Acts, it's going to, it says, we got to really be committed because it's going to tell us all the things that are going to happen. And will we stand firm in this? You know, uh, one of the things I think we, we have to do is, is we're looking in that crowd of older people, and, and maybe uh, it's as you age, maybe this is just a natural progression of our, of our walk with Jesus, Paula. But as you grow older, the, 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 the prospect of seeing the Lord is, is more and more real, mm-hmm. and there seems to be a greater sense of urgency. Um, you know, I'm 70 years old. We've got, uh, I'm in good health, praise the Lord, and and still have the energy to keep doing what I what I've been doing. Um, and yet, you have to be realistic. If if I've got 10, 12 really good years left, that's by the grace of God, mm-hmm. because we saw people younger than us who didn't have, don't have those years mm-hmm. left, and and physically they're not doing so well. Um, and and the idea here is is okay if I've got ten to twelve years left by the grace of God, then then what we've got to do is make sure that every minute of those years counts. And uh, I I sense that in that that group of pastors um, this time, and and that seems to have been lacking. You know, Pastor Chuck used to talk about the Lord's coming at any moment, and 
he really expected God to come before he died, even after he was diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, he died at 84. Uh, but but he, he really expected, well, I won't die of lung cancer because Jesus will be back. Uh, but but there's a vibrancy to a ministry that is expecting the return of Jesus at any moment. And frankly, Calvary Chapel, uh, not just Calvary Chapel, but that's who we're connected with. Calvary Chapel um, has, has lost that, that zeal, that, that idea that, you know, we're going to see the Lord at any moment. And um, the, the work that many Calvaries are doing just sort of went into a stagnant place. Mm -hmm. Just going through the motions. And we show up every day yeah. doing what we're supposed to do. Doing good things, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. but we lost. It's sort of like Ephesus. You know, they, they were doing all the right things, but they lost their passion. They yeah. lost their, their first love. Yeah. And I, I think that was true of us. And it seems like in this last oh, 20 months or so where the world has been turned upside down, mm -hmm. uh, it, it seemed to me like a whole bunch of Calvary Chapel pastors uh, found that passion again. And we're just so grateful to be with one another. And, and it really was a, a, a good experience. Mm -hmm. You know how fun it is because, you know, uh, um, because we've been so separated and not knowing who's who and all that kind of stuff, I haven't been going to the pastor's wives retreats for years. And um, so, you know, and it, it's okay because we've been taking our Calvary Chapel San Antonio pastor's wives um, on retreat, which is one of the greatest blessings ever. But going back, because the wives were able to go and seeing so many of the wives and husbands still serving the Lord older, yeah, we get older because years go by. But how exciting it was. And I had so many come up to me. Oh, I've been missing you so much. You've been on my heart. I've been thinking about you. I'm so glad to see you. All that kind of stuff. You know, we're just hugging and kissing each other. Um, but talking about the urgency, uh, the fact that they're still about the Lord's business. One of our friends, he is 87 and she is 80. And they're, they're in that, that Poyman ministry. Well, she comes up to me. She goes, let, let me explain Poyman okay. before you go on. Poyman is a ministry of, of Calvary Chapel pastors who have uh, retired and passed their churches on to their, their, their predecessors, or to, not the predecessors, but, but, but to those who will inherit the church. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yet they've still, they're, they're still healthy and they've got a lot to offer. It's a group of, of these older pastors who are now able to travel the country, in fact, the world, and, and help out struggling churches. It's a mm -hmm. vibrant ministry. And, mm -hmm. and uh, um, one, uh, we're, we must be getting old because we were invited to be a part of it <laughs> this, this week. But uh, that's what Poyman is. So mm -hmm. go ahead, Paul. Okay. Um, yes, and when we were invited, for me, several times, it's, I know it's not time for uh, Ron to retire yet. But I if, tell people I'm still working on getting tired. That's right. But if or when he does, we would love for you to be a part of this ministry. And for you and me, we kind of been practicing that uh, for a long time. And it hasn't happened in, in about four, maybe four or five years. But other Calvary Chapel pastors would call and say, can we come and stay with you guys so we can watch what, how you live and how you interact with your people, and how you do what you do. And so... Yeah, um, let's hold that thought for a minute. Let's okay. take it. don't want to keep Greg waiting. we got Greg from Bolverde on line one. Greg, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron and Paula. Hey, I um, just wanted to ask you, you may have already brought this up, but I didn't catch it since four. Uh, did you guys happen to see the uh, concert that took place in Houston, I guess, about a week ago? And the look of the stage and everything about that stage and what it was about. Did y'all get a chance to see any video of that? Yeah, Greg, we, we did not watch video. We, we've seen the news reports um, um, uh, about the tragedy and the people, the loss of lives. And now it's turning into sort of a feeding fest for, for lawyers. But uh, we are aware of it. And, and I'm a little bit aware of, of his kind of music, but it was certainly... Um, um, not godly, that's for sure. It just is a tragedy that that so many people were 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 killed and and many others hurt. Uh, th those are scars that won't go away. So I we have tangential knowledge of it, Greg. 
Well, there's the, just the look of the stage and how everything was presented. It was like totally demonic. Mm-hmm. Nothing about it was oh, yeah. oh. It was totally demonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that's y'all the get a chance to look in. at it. Thank you, Greg. Thanks. That's that's the world that we live in, and mm-hmm. and um, uh, one of the things I I remarked to you about Paula was. Uh, there was a, an eight or nine year old boy who was killed. I saw that. And uh, they were, I saw an interview, a brief interview with his father. And I looked at Paul and I said, What in the world is a father taking his nine year old son or eight year old son, whatever it was, to a concert like that? Yeah. What, what are people thinking? And the truth is that we've lost our ability to think, Greg. Yeah. And um, 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 I'm told the demon was descending on the stage. and. Uh, you know, we have given ourselves over. Uh, that's that's what's happened in this country. It's what's happening in the rest of the world. And the fact that this this performer was warned uh, or at least approached by law enforcement agencies um, with their concerns about the safety of the event based on his previous concerts, uh, nothing happened at all. Yeah. And You're going to be teaching Revelation 9 tonight. Yeah. Anybody wants to listen in, you will see exactly why this took place. They will still, though they've been warned, it's dreary and all that stuff. At the end, it says they are they knew, but they refused to repent. Yeah. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. This is uh, altered date day version of the <laughs> Word to Santa for Life. And we'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome, welcome back to the second half of our Friday show, 340-9585. Paul, I want to be sure to get this question in because it was sent in for you and for me. Mm. Uh, I'm going to edit it for brevity, okay. but I'll give you the idea here. Uh, hi, Pastor Ron and Mama Paula. Sorry. I have loving and amazing in-laws who are professing Christians. They were married for 25 years, got divorced for 17 years, and, and for a year now they've been back together. My father-in-law got saved a year ago, praise the Lord. We're constantly hanging out with them. Personally, I don't have an issue being around them. However, lately it's been worrisome to me more and more. Initially, they were dating. My wife is, of course, very happy to see her parents back together, and that makes her happy. However, a few months ago, they moved in together. They plan to get married, but they are in no rush to do so. I told my wife this worries me because they're not rightly representing the Lord by moving in together and how they're constantly showing PDA uh, out in public. I'm happy to see them back together, but I feel like when I'm with them, I can't help but be angry uh, because they are living in sin. My wife and I have told them about what Scripture says. Um, We can only assume they're being intimate by how much love they have for each other. My mother-in-law says, He's just my companion. God knows my heart. Of course, I rebut with Scriptures and the conversation ends with my wife looking at me and motioning her eyes to drop it. I love my in-laws. I have the best ones. However, this is starting to become more of an issue within myself. I don't want to cause conflict in my marriage. After all, my wife is right. We have mentioned to them a couple of times. Now we can only pray. Uh, I'm not sure if you've dealt with anyone with this kind of an issue, uh, but your advice and wisdom is greatly appreciated. Thank you, Pastor Ron, Mama Paula. A couple of things here, and Paula, I'll let you go in just a second. But let me just say this. There's more that you can do. Uh, pray for them. Of course you should pray for them, but they're living in sin. If your father-in-law just got saved a year ago, he should still be passionately in love with Jesus and he's rejecting Jesus he's he's putting Jesus in a place where Jesus can't minister to his heart so here's what the Bible says that we're supposed to do and this will not be popular in your home you can tell your parents your in-laws you and your wife and and you and your wife have to be together in one mm-hmm. one accord on this mm-hmm. but you can tell them that you love them you're thrilled that, that God has put their life back together, but it's ask him, is this how you thank God for bringing them, bringing you back together by turning your back on him? 
and say, we've already told you we're not going to preach to to you anymore, but, and here's what the Bible says, people who live like this while professing to be Christians, you're to have nothing to do with them. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but what you're saying by making that statement is, I love Jesus more than I love you, and I'm crazy about you. I love you guys. I got the best in-laws ever. But I love Jesus more, and because I want you in heaven, for your mother-in-law to say, God knows my heart, is a scary thing. So here's the thing. If you really love the Lord, what you'll say is, the Bible says that I can have nothing to do with you, and this breaks my heart. So please repent. You can tell them. I can, I can get somebody at church to marry you. This can be an easy thing, but it's got to be in their interest to get right with God above all things. Paul, you want to add? You know, I, I can understand to a point your mom's uh, feelings if he's been, he's finally saved. He's finally the man that I've always wanted. He's going to heaven, and I'm so in love with him. I remember when the Lord asked me, who do you love more, the gift or the gift giver? And so your your counsel is absolutely right. I understand she's, you know, thankful and grateful. But like you said, is this how you repay the Lord? Jesus is our first husband, and um, our, our lives are to bring glory and honor to would you, him. Would you talk for a minute, Paula, to the wife? Uh, again, I, I, this is the husband, obviously, mm-hmm. who sent this. But... Mm-hmm. Um, um, the importance of being together in one accord in Christ on this issue. You can't value your relationship with your family yeah. more than you value your relationship yeah, with Jesus, Christ. Jesus even said that in, I think it's Luke 10, that anyone who loves his father or mother or husband, children, all those more than me is not worthy of me. And so, um, you know, the, the wife who it is her mother and father, that's really going to be hard for her. Um, and yet, does she love Jesus more? And can she trust Jesus with her parents um, by leaving them alone? And she and her husband have, have got to cling together on this issue and pray, pray, pray. But I, I, I understand the, the wife of the newly saved man, she's probably just really excited. And yet she has no idea the damage that she is doing not only to her own relationship, but she's stumbling his. He's a brand new believer, and the enemy is in that mix to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. Because living like this, um, he's even finding out, this new believer's finding out that he's more important to her than Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And that is detrimental to everybody. And if there's grandchildren, they're all watching this. Yeah. Not, not to mention the fact that that uh, in two particular places, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 5, uh, Paul doesn't pull any punches. He says, mm-hmm. people who live no, like this yeah. will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah. So this is the matter. Are they saved? How do I know they're mm-hmm. saved? Mm-hmm. This is a guy who one year ago gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he's already turned his back on the one who redeemed him. Yeah. And now, because of this marriage being brought back together, um, um, th- th- there's no greater way to express a lack of gratitude. Yeah, this is like, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Yeah. And, and basically they're saying, well, we, we don't love you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how important it is. And yeah. we who are Christians have got to take a stand. And obviously the Holy Spirit's already working on the heart. Yeah. So uh, it's not one of those, we won't see it. Just, just let him know how heartbreaking this is to you. Yeah. And uh, let God use you mm-hmm. to win their hearts. Yeah. They need to get married, say to God, they're sorry. I don't know what we were thinking. Mm-hmm. I was carried away uh, like Abraham was with Isaac. I was carried away with the gift. Uh, but, but Jesus, I'm sorry. And, and all is forgiven. Then, then their relationship can be in a place where God can bless it. Yeah. Thank you for the question. Let's go to line one, Paula. We've got Jacob from San Antonio. Jacob, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, thank you, Pastor Ron. I enjoy uh, calling you guys every time, and you always give me uh, sound answers, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so uh, I have a brother in Christ of mine. He served with me on the prayer team, and I'm the leader of the prayer team in my church. And a few months ago, he decided he was going to separate from his wife, and there was no adultery, nothing like that. He just was unhappy. 
uh, myself and a few other, few other brothers and I, we, you know, voiced our concerns and our, our you know, you, we don't agree with what you're doing there. Um, he eventually did decide to divorce her, and then he, before I could even tell him to, he went ahead and stepped down from the prayer team. Um, mm-hmm. My encouragement to him was, you know, still be coming to church, still come to church, but you're right, you can't be on the prayer team currently. And I want to know, like, um, going forward, how do I, how do I be there for him biblically uh, and encourage him, and what does that look like? Well, tough question, Jacob. I, I appreciate that you're willing to stand with him, um, and and at the same time you're willing to stand with Jesus. Now, these are the kinds of things that um, unfortunately people are being taught in churches. You know, God wants us to be happy. You can get rid of your problems. The problem is that this is a this is a place, um, Jacob, where where God is going to keep bringing them back to until He gets right with God on this issue. Now he's divorced. Who knows what the ex-wife is doing? Um, uh, but but until he deals with this sin in his life, he directly and willingly disobeyed what God told him to do, uh, and he can't pretend like it didn't happen. Now the fact that it, he stepped down from leadership in a prayer team, uh, the one thing he needs to understand is that any prayer that he offers to the Lord, until he deals with this sin, the the access to heaven is is closed off, and this is a really dangerous place to be, and he is going to regret it. Um, let me tell you this, Jacob. If you go to our website, CalvarySA.com, and listen to a study I did in Second Kings chapter six. Uh, the first six verses, I think it's the first study in Second Kings chapter six. It's about the the, the lost axe head, mm-hmm. and um, I made a big deal out of this. You know, when when you lose something that God has given you a stewardship over, uh, you don't just say, "Oh well, I lost it," and move on with your life. You got to go back to the exact place you lost it. You got to get right with God, and you got to confess your sin, and let God deal with you. And then, God, we live in a time of grace, and it's a wonderful thing. So he's not going to be unable to, 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 to walk with Jesus uh, forever. He just needs to get right with God. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness. But it's frightening to me that we have people in leadership positions in churches who have that sort of a cavalier attitude towards obedience to God. And he takes these things seriously. And I think, Paula, all the, all the more so in these last hours. Um, your friend, I'm sure, is a Christian. And I'm sure if Jesus returned today, uh, he, would, he would be in the rapture with the rest of us. But how would he explain to Jesus doing what he wanted to do instead of doing what Jesus asked him to do? And those are really important things. The way that you can be there for him is to continually remind him he's got to deal with this issue. He can't just move on. The enemy eventually will come and devour him. Now, for a time, there may be some relief, and he may be thinking, well, this is better than we were always in constant friction and stuff in the home. Uh, but, But right now, he's got to get right with God. There's nothing else he can do. And you can let him know as your friend, I'm going to be there to help you when you make that decision. But if he refuses to make that decision, Jacob, then here's another place, just as in the last question we had, Paula. This is another place where you've got to make a choice. Um, Unless you're willing to confess your sin and repent, until you do, then all I can do is pray for you. Can't hang with you. I, I don't want to pretend like nothing has gone wrong. I love you, bro, and I want to see you in heaven. And um, you're making decisions right now that are are contrary to the will of God for your life. And there's going to be a lot of pain. Let him know you're never going to stop praying for him because he's going to need all the prayer you can get. This is a scary decision. When we can willfully, Paula, when we can willfully do something we know God doesn't want us to do, that really demonstrates where our heart is on these things. We we are really, in that case, our own God. Do you have anything you want to add, Paul? Yeah. Um, one of the teachers, uh, the speakers there, was talking about um, courage is contagious. And, and sometimes we lose courage because we want happiness. But, um, you know, even people who are listening to this radio broadcast, 
with with uh, Jacob's concern. Um, what was said there is people respect courage but loathe compromise, especially in Christian leaders. You know, we're supposed to stand up for our faith, and when the church backs down, all lose respect. And even listening to this, you know, it just kind of it breaks your heart because um, the Lord says, let no man or no thing um, separate us from each other. You know, I mean, there's there's reasons, but from the information we got, it's just he wasn't happy. Um, and um, the Lord's heart is broken. That's You know, we, li- we live in a time when um, there's such a dearth of solid Bible teaching we live in a time where the enemy has twisted our minds and our hearts to think, well, well, I, God wants me to be happy. And then the people who stand with Christ, um, uh, they're the bad guys for pointing out that what you're doing is sin and you can't do this. Yeah. And the fact that a, a, a man who is a prayer leader in a church uh, can do this. You know, Jesus said, too much is given, much more is required. And he's now, Jacob, in a really, really dangerous place. So he needs constant prayer. But he also needs godly men like you who will stand up and say, what you did was wrong and you need to repent and get right with God. I'm not suggesting that he should get back with her. Um, probably his wife wants nothing more to do with him. But but, but, but he needs to deal with God. Um, he's not free to, to enter another relationship uh, he must remain unmarried. He'll probably avoid that one, ignore that commandment as well, because frankly, he's already demonstrated what God wants. It doesn't really matter that much to him. And Jacob, we're truly in the last days. And these are the kind of things that are predicted for the hard hearts, even of those who are professing believers yeah. uh, in these last days. Yeah. And, you know, for uh, for pastors and leaders, uh, Raul Reese talked about this. He said, uh, what am I, what is um, your life motivated by? Is it emotionalism or the word of God? Um, and for us to be able to finish well, we have to deny ourselves. And too many of us are indulging ourselves. Like we want to be happy. You know, we want peace in our life. We want comfort in our life. We want everything to go well. Um, we don't, you know, I, we want what we want. Yeah. Jacob, last thing I'll add to this is that there are going to be plenty of people in this life, you can count on it, uh, who are going to be doing the devil's work, telling him it's okay. God just wants you to be happy. It's okay. And right now what he needs is godly men like you who will tell him the only way it's going to be okay is for you to get right with with the Lord. And and one of the ways we get right, we prove that our heart is truly repentant, is we've got to be willing to accept the consequences of our decisions. And that consequence is he's got to remain single for the rest of his life. If he can't remarry her, he's got to remain single mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. Yeah. And those are hard things. Real hard things. things. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Jacob. Appreciate it. And I'm, uh, I'll be praying for your friend. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Paula, we've got about uh, nine minutes left, so why don't you pick up where you left off? Um, let me see. I love Sandy Adams. <laughs> me too. Yeah. He said his title, and you know, not everybody has titles, Pastor Ron, but Sandy does. And so <laughs> God's new menu. And he was saying that God does a new work for mankind always. And that there's, I love this, that there's no two raindrops, no two snowflakes are the same. We all have, and, and people all have different thumbprints, and we are to love um, everybody, one another. That God is um, one who loves all people. And uh, he said, and this was, I think, one of those times when I'm just one of those proud pastor's wives, um, proud wife, period, when he says, don't gravitate to the rut. Go to the risk. I'm like, oh, don't tell him that because I'm the kite screen. I'm the kite screen. You go to encourage him to do something else crazy. But no, I was. Uh, that was just one of those things where it's like, yep, that's the guy I'm married to. <laughs> you know, it still amazes me that we 
especially leaders, but, but Christians in general, that we need to be exhorted to take risks. Mm-hmm. Everything that we do in Christ is a risk. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul's ministry if, there, if, he, if he was unwilling to take risks or Peter or any of the others? But, but risk-taking, if we're going to follow Jesus, then we're going to be taking risks. That's what faith is all about. Mm-hmm. And too many of us, we have grown comfortable in these last days. That's why it's so upsetting to so many Christians who are overly vested in politics. Uh, our world is changing. We don't like it. I'm not comfortable anymore. I'm not happy anymore. So we got to get a new president. No, no, no. What we need is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to follow Jesus wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah. He, he said some really, I mean, things that just cracked me up and yet convicted me and then other just spurred me on. And, you know, we're not content with past ventures. He says, I want you, we need to be moving with Jesus all the time. So, um, but this is one of the things he said, you know, we're, we're so busy. We got to fast and pray. <laughs> you know, we're, we're waiting for peace. Really. I'm going to fast and pray that we can move God. But he says, uh, he said, God speaks when we're fasting or we're waiting for lunch. <laughs> I absolutely love that. It, we don't have to fast and wait. He, he was talking about Peter's vision, you know, that was, uh, God's first pigs in a blanket, you know, but, but that God, that God will speaks to us when we're fasting or waiting for lunch. God doesn't need us to stop eating. He don't care when we're eating. He just wants us to talk with him and he knows the future. And all we need to do is just ask him. We don't have to beg him. Why, why does it always make us feel more spiritual to deny ourselves something? Well, I'm fasting and I'm praying Mm -hmm. instead of, uh, and said, okay, Lord, if I'm not saying yes to you, then what I'm denying is you. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say yes to you. <laughs> Fasting is a is a picture of the denial of self. Yeah. You're not denying yourself just because you're not eating. Mm-hmm. You're 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 denying yourself when you're doing what He wants, what His will for your life is, rather than what you want to do. Yeah. And yeah. if we just get that idea, then we'd realize that you know what we can be. Pretty close to the Lord, yeah. even in the buffet line. <laughs> now Sandy's from from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Yeah, and so uh, he's got that Southern drawl mm-hmm. and and uh, has a way with words. But but yeah, uh, yeah we need to be risk takers always. Need to be risk takers, yeah. And you know what? Some of us, well, most of us, uh, the Lord wants to change us. You know, we sing a song, change me from the inside out, everlasting, change me from the inside out. We know the changes are needed and they are good, but why do we resist? And then he named three, three reasons why we resist. One is prejudice. We have false notions um, about God and about other people and even ourselves. Um, and so, you know, he was saying we need to ask the Lord to help us to see as he sees that every Christian is special to God. All people are special to God. And too many of us have traditions that we're holding on to that keep us from from walking. Um, the second one was precedent, a commitment to the usual, you know. It's the way we've always done it. Yeah, yeah. And he did say that the way we've always done it is not a good reason to continue doing it that way. We need to be spirit-led. Um, the next one was preference, a commitment to what's comfortable, if it feels good or right at the time. Here's why we resist. Because all growth requires change. Change requires loss. Now, who wants to suffer loss? And then loss requires pain. And so, um, you know, for me, I didn't want to go to China. I didn't want to come <laughs> to Texas. <laughs> I didn't want to leave my, my living room. But the Lord says, no, 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 Uh, some changes that need to take place. And uh, the change is going to require loss. You know, we left my kids and family and friends in California, and loss requires pain. And that was painful. We came here, and it was just us and not a whole lot of stuff. And yet um, the change keeps going every day if we put down our prejudices the precedent to stay usual, and our preference for comfort. I love comfort, Pastor Ron. You know it. Do, do me a favor. Tell the audience what you've been saying since you came back from, from the conference, um, talking about changes. I don't want to be this. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I keep saying, I don't want to be the same. Now, you know I love conviction, and the conviction will change you, but I still seem to be the same. Maybe it's because I still hear this crazy voice of mine, and or I, I forget that the flesh still tries to raise its ugly head. But I want to be changed, and the Lord is is at work. And this is what I wrote myself, a note at the thing. Paula, fight your feelings. Endure the initial awkwardness of discomfort. Um, I want you to worship openly. Um, and be a lot more open about sharing your faith. That, and, and Lord, I want to I want to move in the supernatural, Amen. you know, um, yeah. And so, help me, Jesus. Yeah. I want a new venture <clears throat> of faith. You know, a pastor's dream. Paula, we got two minutes. Okay. A pastor's dream is is that that everybody would come to church every day to be changed. Yeah. I don't want to be the same. It's something that we all want to be saying all the time. Yeah. And the fact that I'm married to the woman who goes home saying, "Look, I don't want to be the same as I was when I go back." Uh, that's that's truly the heart of God. He's always moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if we're not moving with Jesus, then we, we no longer walk by faith. And when we no longer walk by faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. And we want to be in a place where we're pleasing to the Lord. Yeah. So lots of lots of wonderful things that we saw yeah. there. Paul, we're inside yeah. a minute. Anything you want to add? Yep. I'm going to ask myself, you, Sam here, our producer, and everybody else, Aren't you tired of doing the same thing? Aren't you tired of doing the same thing? God calls us to be led by a person, and his name is Jesus. And he says every single day, come on, let's go. I got something for you. And all we need to do is put our hand out like you do, and you take your walk. I'm doing that now, you know, put my hand out to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, lead me where you want me to go, and I'll follow. Hey. Thanks for tuning in today. This has been a special date day edition because we were gone on the real date day. Uh, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. I go to church this weekend, find somebody who needs to be loved on, and you be the vessel God uses. God bless you. I'll see you on Monday on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.